LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Well, you've probably heard about the movie Overcomer, but you might not know that there are actually some books and Bible studies that were inspired by the film. One is called Defined. It's by Alex and Stephen Kendrick, and it's a book and Bible study based on insights from the book of Ephesians. It's got personal stories and practical wisdom. Defined will challenge you to let the one who knows you best be the one who guides your heart the most. There's another book for teens and young women. It's called Radiant by bestselling author and co-star of Overcomer, Priscilla Shirer. For these teen girls, there's also the Defined Bible Study, which is an invitation for teen girls and young women to enjoy a candid conversation on identity. You can find these books and Bible studies at lifeway.com slash overcomer. And now I hope you enjoy Ask Me Anything. Welcome to Ask Me Anything Season 2. I am Matt Love, and we are going to be sharing today uh, a leadership lesson from Pastor JD. So we're not going to be doing the normal question and answer format, but we're going to be sharing just a, a leadership topic that we think is really helpful. JD will often ask the staff of the Summit Church to read a book before our monthly large team meeting. And in our episode today, JD is teaching the staff from a book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. This is an awesome book. It was really helpful for me and for our staff. So JD's actually going to walk through this and point out some of Paul Miller's practical applications to grow how, when, and what we pray. So I'm really excited, but I think this could be really helpful for you. Let's join JD as he walks through a praying life. In the opening chapter, uh, Paul Miller tackles what I see are probably the two biggest problems that people have when it comes to consistent praying and mean people like us. One is, if we're just honest, we're not totally convinced how effective it is, right? I mean, we can be honest about that, but you like, sometimes I pray and things happen. Sometimes I pray and they don't. Sometimes I forget to pray and the thing that was supposed to happen happens anyway. And so, you know, is there really a role that, that prayer plays? And so he acknowledges that which I think is really helpful. And then two, he brings out that we have no idea how to construct a meaningful prayer time. In fact, here's what he says here. The glib way that people talk about prayer often reinforces our cynicism. And he uses some phrases we use like, oh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll send you my prayers or you're in my prayers. And you're like, I don't even know what that really means. And it just sort of this you know, flippant way that we close a conversation. And many of us who use these phrases never get around to actually praying. Why? Because we don't think prayer makes much difference. Cynicism and glibness are just part of the problem, however. The most common frustration is the activity of praying itself. We last for about 15 seconds, and then out of nowhere, the day's to-do list pops up, and our minds are off on a tangent. Instead of praying, we're doing a confused mix of wandering and worrying. Uh, that's just a, that's a perfect summation of J.D. Greer's prayer life right there. And in fact, 15 seconds is probably generous with how long I last before I end up going off on a tangent. And I think that's, it's just really, that's why I think this book is helpful because it just goes right to where I think we are. Um, here are my, my takeaways. Number one, a lack of prayer isn't a prayer problem. It is an idolatry problem, or we could even say an awe problem. Here's what he says. If you're not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. 
you always will be a little too tired, a little too busy. But if like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you will find the time to pray. Um, God really revealed an area uh, in my life, just very personally relating to this. Before I read this, uh, again, just kind of when I read it, it was just like smack me in the face of what he's been teaching me. But you know, kind of at the end of the day, my kind of ace card that I feel like I hold in my hands, like when I'm down and like, you know, I, I just feel like oh, just the force of my personality, I'm going to be able to make this happen. Whether I'm speaking or talking to somebody, whether I'm dealing with one of my children, uh, I'm just like, I just, I know that eventually I can coerce this into, into doing that. And I realized that, I mean, obviously God gave various ones of us personalities and leadership skills, but there's a real problem in my heart in that that is kind of what is at the bedrock of my confidence and it's not the mercy of God. And God has had a few things happen in my life that have revealed that that is not only only wicked to him, it's insufficient. And uh, that's a foolish thing for me to try to lead this church with is the force of uh, personality or leadership skill uh, in those sort of things. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, it really, you know, it comes out of an idolatry problem. Prayerlessness is the inevitable result of either pride or a lack of faith, usually both. You fail to pray instinctively because you're either too proud to realize how desperately you need the mercy of God. You really aren't convinced of John 15, 5, that apart from him, you can do nothing of spiritual significance, or you're too unbelieving to grasp God's willingness to help. Most approaches to correct prayerlessness, we know, end up being, let's just say, law-based, right? Law-based means I'm telling you what you're not doing right and telling you to fix it. You only pray six minutes a day, ergo, spiritually, you suck, so change that. You resolve to pray more, but how long does that last? It usually lasts a few days until you get distracted to the next thing that you try to fix. The answer is not to get more discipline or develop a new system or a prayer notebook. Prayer is the natural result, he says, of desperation of faith. When the gospel has cultivated desperation and faith in you, then you will pray as naturally as breathing because you crave air and you crave God's power. A praying life isn't simply a morning prayer time, he says. It is about slipping into prayer at odd hours of the day. Not because we're disciplined, but because we're in touch with our own poverty of spirit, realizing that we can't even walk through a mall or our neighborhood successfully, you know, effectively in the spirit without the help of the spirit of Jesus. So that was one takeaway, and it probably is the core theological one of the whole book. Number two, pray like a kid, which is to say, stop self-analyzing and just talk with your dad. You know, the, the concept of, you know, Abba Father, that we approach him like that, I think that is a very, because um, Jesus tells us to pray like children. And that was one of the things that the first time I read this book, it didn't really stand out. The stories that Jesus tells about adults praying are when adults act like children. The persistent widow who just, you know, won't let the guy go, who is like one of my kids whenever they want something, uh, that they ask me so many times until they literally drive me insane. And I have to say, stop asking me that. You know, to them, when I say no, that's just a useless piece of information. It's just an obstacle that they are supposed to overcome. And so that's how Jesus teaches us to pray. One of the things Paul Miller points out is when kids come to you as a parent, um, they're not thinking about the motives about why they're asking for what they're asking for. They just know what they want, and they're just going to tell you about it. And I realize that for me, I spend a lot of time trying to analyze my motives. And that's good. There's a role for that. But, you know, at some point, you just kind of lay that down, and you just, I'm, I'm running to my father, and he's going to help me decipher the motives, but I just need to be with him and be with dad because that's the way a kid is with a, with a, with a father. When we slow down to pray, we're immediately confronted by how unspiritual we are. In contrast, children never get frozen by their selfishness. They come just as they are, totally self-absorbed. 
Become like a little child, Jesus said. Ask, believe, and yes, even play. How do little children ask? Without guile. They just say what's on their minds. They have no awareness of what is appropriate or inappropriate. This isn't just a random observation about how parents respond to little children. This is the gospel. Private personal prayer is one of the last great bastions of legalism. In order to pray like a child, you might need to unlearn the non-personal, non-real praying that you've been taught at seminary. (laughs) When you stop trying to be an adult and get it right, prayer will just flow because God has done something remarkable. He's given you a new voice. It is his own voice, and that comes from um, absorption in the gospel. That's uh, that was the second takeaway. Third takeaway: prayer's primary goal is being with God. Uh, this is another thing that really you know kind of stood out. Oddly enough, many people struggle to learn how to pray because they're focusing on praying, not on God. Prayer is all about relationship. It is intimate and it hints at eternity. We don't think about communication in words, but about whom we're talking with. Prayer is simply the medium through which we experience and connect to God. Being with God is more than me reading off the laundry list of things that I need from him. He already knows that. He doesn't say anything. He's like, oh, I had no idea. You know, you needed that. Thanks for telling me. Um, He doesn't hear us. In fact, Jesus criticizes people who pray, who think they will be heard for their much speaking. This is from a guy who prayed all night. He says, yeah, yeah. Why would you think God hears you? Because you talk his ear off. That's not the purpose of prayer. He uses our prayer to change things. But the right prayers come from simply being with him and fellowshipping with him. One prayer rightly prayed out of fellowship with him is far, worth far more than millions of words that don't come out of fellowship with God. So it's, it's not saying we don't present these things to God. It's that the main point when I get together with him is just being with him. If our prayer time doesn't feel like a relief to us, then we're not doing it right. There's something wrong in our heart. And for me, a lot of times it feels like a, something I got to slog through rather than, you know, kind of like I'm just, I'm coming to be with my father the way that it was for, you know, for Jesus. Learning to be with God will give us much greater calm and confidence as we approach the day. Here's what Miller says. Learning to pray doesn't offer us a less busy life because usually when you pray, it actually leads you to become more busy. It offers us a less busy heart. In the midst of outer busyness, we can develop an inner quiet. Because we are less hectic on the inside, we have a greater capacity to love and thus to be more busy, which in turn drives us even more into a life of prayer. By spending time with our Father in prayer, we integrate our lives with His, with what He is doing in us. That's that relational element. Our lives become more coherent. They feel calmer, more ordered, even in the midst of confusion and pressure. Um, So third takeaway, prayer's primary goal is being with God. Fourth one, don't look for a spiritual solution to a practical problem. You know, that's kind of leadership. They say never try to manage a spiritual problem or spiritualize a management problem. Um, This is for many of us. It's not a theology problem. It's not a spiritual problem. It really is a, you know, a a practical problem. I want to acknowledge most of our prayer problems are spiritual. But a lot of times I have found that I desire to pray. I really do, but I just, it's just hard sometimes talking to somebody who's invisible, who doesn't talk back. It's hard when I get down and 15 seconds later, I'm thinking about, you know, whatever he is pressing in on the day. And so one of the things that Miller does and here appreciates is he gives you some practical ways to keep those things from happening. He gives seven simple suggestions for having, establishing a prayer time in the morning. I mean, they're painfully simple, um, but they're, you know, worth heeding and, and walking through real quick. He, he says, number one, get to bed. You know, what you do in the evening will shape your morning. That is a a crucial uh, thing that um, get to bed. Number two, get up. Praying in bed is wonderful, but you're never going to develop a morning time in bed. Don't call it, you know, falling asleep in the arms of my father. That's not what's happening. You're you're just lazy. Uh, Number three, get awake. Make a pot of coffee or take a shower or whatever. Go for a run. 
Um, find a quiet place, a room or a chair or a place with a view. Um, I will mention that because of my, the own impact of, that my father had on me seeing him pray in the morning, I just you know made sure that regardless of where I'm working, I always want to do my quiet time at home, even though sometime it'd be better out because I just want my kids to be in the habit of seeing. It, it's also one of the reasons I kind of resist this, but it's why I've gone for my quiet time back to a paper Bible. Um, because when my kids see me with an iPad or with a phone, they think I'm doing on the phone what they always do on the phone, which is that I'm playing games or you know texting or whatever. So I'm just like, I want them to see with a paper Bible, and I want uh, uh, them to see me praying. And so worth maybe considering. Um, get a cool, quiet place. Get comfortable. Uh, you don't feel like you have to pray on your knees. Get going. Start with just five minutes. I want you to really liberate yourself in this season. I, I really would for some of you, like, we could really get embarrassing in a minute if I just, like, go around and tell us how long you prayed today. You know, how long, have you, how much time have you spent in prayer? And it could just be mortifying. Um, that's okay. All right. Let's just sort of acknowledge where we are. And if your goal needs to be, I, knew, I want to pray for five sustained minutes with only two 20 second mind wanderings in the five minutes. That's a great place to start. And uh, maybe do it in the morning and at night, and let's just see, you know, kind of where this goes. So start somewhere, get going, and then keep going. Consistency is more important than length. I'd rather you establish a daily habit of doing this uh, than I would to, for you to, you know, charge out like Martin Luther and pray four hours tomorrow morning and uh, never again until we talk about this next month. Have you guys been listening to the New Churches Q&A podcast with Daniel M., Ed Stetzer, and Todd Atkins? It is a great podcast. It is part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network family, and they have been covering topics like how to make your leadership pipeline relational or how do I attract and engage new people and growing your congregation deeper. So just look up New Churches, two words, on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today.